What a great time. What a wonderful time in worship, wasn't it? Well done, Lisa and team. That was really sweet. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's a bit of an echo. I don't know if it's just the front here. Shall I move a bit forward, Ian? Backwards? Am I right here? <laughs> it is what it is. Wonderful. What a, what a great time in God's presence this morning. I just want to say I'm super excited that it's so white outside. <laughs> you, don't, you don't understand. <laughs> I was like, I said to Vicky, we're going to the UK, we're going to have white Christmases. Not so much. <laughs> then I realized that you have to be further up north in order for that to be the case. But I'm um, really thankful. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for some snow before Christmas. Maybe a little bit more would be great for Christmas Day. <laughs> How's your Christmas season going so far? Ooh. <laughs> Not so sure. <laughs> Cold, some would say. <laughs> Wonderful. I want to want to share this morning on. Uh, if you want to give a title to to my message, Jesus Christ, the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus Christ. The gift that keeps on giving. Unlike us, uh, unlike the world who like to celebrate events with gifts, Jesus just keeps on giving to us in so many different ways, all the time. In fact, He gave to us before everything was created because the, the, the Scripture teaches us that He was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world was even there. That's an amazing thought, that even before creation was breathing to life, it was decided that the ultimate gift, Christ, is already given to us. That's a mind-blowing thing for me. It's so easy for us to forget. Can I please get some water, Lily? Would you mind getting me a glass of water, please? I've been struggling with my voice a little bit in the last few days. Forgive me, please. It's so easy for us to forget the significance of an event, isn't it? Um, with each of our three daughters' births, I thought, I remember thinking, I hope I can remember the wonder of that first cry. When Lily was born, it took her a little bit of a, of a while before we heard the first cry. And I was like, come on, baby, cry. Come on, baby, cry. Come on, baby, cry. And then finally she, she let out that first cry. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Remember the, the first time that they really looked at me. As, as some of you would know, we've got nine puppies in the house at the moment. And... Uh, and I was holding them up as they started opening their eyes, trying to see if they, they recognized me. And I remembered holding up, so we'll get emotional now, holding up each of my daughters, like trying to see if they, they recognized me. And I, I wonder if I, I thought if I remember the first time that they said daddy, which they, I think they all said daddy before they said mommy. <laughs> I'm not competitive at all. Remember the first time they said, Daddy? The first time they crawled, the first time they walked, 
Remember the times that they would run up when I thank you, my girl. Appreciate it. <laughs> I used to love when I got home, Daddy's arm, Daddy's arm, no, 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 no. You know, I don't do that anymore, thankfully. Lily is almost as tall as me, and that'll be like. Some of these I do remember clearly, some of them I don't, some of them I need to be reminded of. Uh, it's, a kind, sorry, it's kind of the same thing when I realized for the first time that I needed Jesus. I, I, I remember just having that realization, man, I actually really need Jesus. And I need to make it this. For me, it was a very sober, a sober uh, moment. I remember exactly where I was. I was in my um, matric year. That's uh, what's that? The final year of high school, secondary. And I was having a smoke in the in the bathroom during the during the break at school. <laughs> yeah, I did. I started smoking when I was twelve. I stopped when I was eighteen. But I just remember standing there having a having a cigarette, and I was like. I know better. I know better. I know the truth of Jesus. And I realized that knowing the truth of Jesus and accepting the truth of Jesus was something that was very different. And that moment of clarity that I felt, I realized, man, something's got to change. And, and I grew up in a Christian home. I mean, I preached my first sermon when I was 13. Smoking and all. And I remember thinking in the days and weeks following, I want to remember that moment of clarity because it's so easy for us to kind of like get numb to the significance of things, the beauty of things, the snow falling. Wow, the snow is falling in the next day. It's pretty cold out there. I wish it didn't snow so much. I kind of remember how relieved I felt I kind of remember how elevated I felt, how excited I felt when I put out that cigarette and I said, no more. When I changed from every second word being a swear word to not swearing at all. From my thoughts being impure to having pure thoughts. I remember the relief I felt. Yet over time I found myself wavering and wandering across the road. Uh, rather than walking in the plans and purposes of God. Anybody that can relate? It's so easy for us to forget the significance of events. What I wanted to, to share with us this morning is that Jesus wasn't a one-hit wonder. Sometimes we can live our lives like that. I want to share that if we celebrate Him every day of our lives and remember what He did in our lives and remember and recognize what it is that He's doing and believe what He has promised He will do, I think our lives will look different every day. And I can tell you, my wife and kids will testify to this, that I don't live in that reality every day. If you turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah 4 verse 6. I'm just going to read a few verses. Isaiah 4 verse 6. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. 
My people, my people, we are God's people, aren't we? My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. It's quite a, quite a heavy statement, that. Since you priests refuse to know me, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. Since you've forgotten the laws of your God, I will forget to bless your children. What? Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Can you say all your heart? All your heart. With all your soul. Can you say all your soul? And all your strength. In other words, love God with everything that we are. Not just on a Sunday morning when we together like this, which is lovely, but Monday morning, Tuesday evening, with all that we are. Not just, I remember having a conversation on a beach in South Africa with, a, with a, a guy that I respected and he drew boxes in the sand and he said, you need to learn how to live your life compartmentalized. Everything's got its place. That's why he could make some really harsh business decisions without considering the person in front of him. Which almost seemed contradictory to who he was claiming to be as a believer. And I remember standing there listening to him and I'm like, no ways do I want to be like this. No wise do I want to live such a compartmentalized life that the principles of the love of God doesn't permeate through me in all areas of my life. God doesn't call us to just love Him with our thoughts and, and, and just our hearts and just us, with all of us. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly, how? Huh? Wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them. Repeat them, repeat them, repeat them, repeat them, repeat them. Why? Because we forget. We forget. That's why we're not called to live in isolation. We are called to live in community to remind one another of the goodness of God, of His faithfulness, of His love for us. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. So I'm loving at the moment the space where we're in, where I'm not up six o'clock in the morning, driving out, going to do my job, getting home late at night. I have the privilege of dropping my girls off at the bus stop. Um, and I'm particularly enjoying the fact that after I dropped Willow off, I'm getting to spend some time with Lily in the car and we talk. We talk about all kinds of things. But we're able to share about life. I'm loving those moments, they're precious. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house, house and on your gates. I don't know if you know, but the Jewish people, when they pray, they've got, they put a little, little box that they tie to their head, literally, with scripture in it, and tie them to their hands. I don't know if you've ever walked into a Jewish business, and you will see on the door frame a little silver thing screwed to the door. Have you ever seen that? It contains scripture. Because what they're hoping to do is that as they pass through the door, they will remember what God has promised them. We call to remember the gift that Christ is. Not just on the 25th of December. I'm, I'm amazed. 
We were at a, we had a, a, a screening stall um, for the ch- chiropractic clinics that I work for. We had a screening stall in Hawley, and there was a band going, and they were singing the gospel while people were walking around. But just... People were missing it. We need to remind each other. Remind each, especially when we're down. I'm getting ahead of myself here. One of the reasons why we saw that Israel lost their way is that they didn't remember the Lord. They lost their way so much so that the Lord drove them from their promised land. Let me make a suggestion. If you find yourself not in your promised land, you've got to stop, assess, and ask God, Lord, what's going on? Are there some adjustments to be made? And be at peace. Because if God is not forthcoming with the answer, there's a reason for that. Doesn't mean that you're sinning or doing something wrong or that you're a terrible person. Maybe God just wants to get your attention. But we see often in Israel's history that conquerors would come in and take their people away. That's what happened with Daniel and his friends. Because they lost their way. Just like them, we too easily forget what should be important to us. Just like Israel, we too sometimes forget the Lord our God. And I would like to remind us this morning just of a couple of gifts that Jesus brought. First and foremost, his birth brought hope. Christ's birth brought hope. We live in a world that's deprived of hope. There's no vitamin hope in a bottle that you can take every morning. There's no vitamin... Amy, is there any multivitamin called hope? Vitamin H. Hey? No vitamin H. It's amazing. Um, if you look at a lot of businesses, they would go to a business coach in the hope that their business will run better. People will go to marriage counselors in the hope that it will solve their problems. People will go to a financial advisor in the hope that they will. If you support Argentina, you hope (laughs) that they will. The world is deprived of hope. Hope seeps. Hope evaporates. Especially when we find it in sources that cannot sustain hope. Jesus is the only person because he is God. He's not just another prophet. He wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just someone of notoriety. He is God. Therefore, what he promises and what he says is true. He is able to sustain what he offers. Why? Because he gave first. He gave first. God could very easily have said, you know what? 
I know you guys are going to sin, so let me take out free will. But he didn't. Jesus said, I will take on myself. He knew before he was born that that was his destiny. So we saw, see, saw that Jesus' birth brought hope. There's some, there's some things that, that are significant around his birth. The circumstances around his birth was prophesied. Numbers 24 verse 17, uh, it was prophesied that he was going to be from the line of David in Isaiah 11, Jeremiah 23, 2 Samuel 7. It was prophesied that he was going to be from the tribe of Judah in Micah 5 verse 2. It was prophesied in Isaiah 7 verse 14 that he will be born from a virgin. It was prophesied in Psalm 79 verse 9 to 10 that he will be worshipped by shepherds and that kings will come bearing gifts. It was prophesied in, uh, um, in Jeremiah 31. I think it's Jeremiah. My um, uh, reference is not, doesn't look right. Um, but I think it's Jeremiah 31, verse 15. That, the, that a king, it says that there'll be, she'll be wailing in Rama, crying for her children who are no more. Prophesied the slaughter that King Herod will bring about to find Jesus. It was prophesied in Hosea 11 that God will call them to Egypt. And the angel appeared to Joseph and said, go to Egypt because of what King Herod was going to do. These are just to mention a few signs that, that speaks of the uniqueness of Christ's birth. And so if Jesus is the promised one, then his arrival brings hope. His arrival brings hope. You just got to look at the state of nations across this world to know that we need real hope. People put their hope in governments. People have put their hope in thought systems. Mental, this mental well-being uh, thought processes that's promoted as the answer can provide temporary relief, but not permanent change. There's two that I missed out there. In Luke 2, it spoke about the angelic host that proclaimed his birth. And in Luke 1, the priest Zechariah was struck with dumbness when he entered the Holy of Holies until the Messiah's birth when he could speak again. So if Jesus is significant, there's some things that he came to do. But it would not have any meaning unless he is significant. Unless he is who he claims to be, is it? Because, I mean, we, I, I've, I've come to the UK to try and do some things. Well, who are you, Vanna? <laughs> so for Jesus' mission to be significant, there has to be weight to who he is. For someone's promises to be taken seriously, we've got to believe that they can do what they promise. And, and what he came to do primarily is to bring a change in our reality. A change in our reality. To move us from the kingdom of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of light. Now, it's very difficult in this country because it is easy living here. People don't feel the darkness so much here. People don't feel the burden of hunger 
the burden of want, the burden of need. And so for them, they don't think they need God because all that God is to them is a source of relief. Not the source of ultimate truth. Not the source of hope. But here's the interesting thing. No amount of money can buy happiness. No amount of money can bring marital bliss. No amount of money will raise obedient children. It doesn't. No amount of money will buy real friends. So like we always do as people, we look to things and people in the hope of change. And I just want to mention a few things that we look to. Why do we look to some people? Why do we look to some people? We look to some people because of a certain status that they carry. A certain position in this world. And we think, well, they're successful, therefore we should listen to what they have to say. Maybe they have something that we want, that we think if we act like they do, do what they do, we'll get what they have. It is surprising to me. This, <laughs> it's like I'm sitting in a mastermind weekend with a business coach. And I'm listening to what he's saying. All that he's done in the majority of things that he does, he's removed the scripture verse. He's using so many biblical truths to support what he's teaching and preaching that, I, you know, one day I'm going to go to him and say, do you know it says that in the Bible? Do you know that in this chapter and this verse, it talks about what you're speaking about? But do you know that the Bible teaches us that God is the source of all wisdom? The reason your things are working is not because you put it out to the universe. It's because you're applying the truth of God. And that is part of the, 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 the um, what's the word? Not heresy? Not sacrilege? Uh, scandal, that's the word. That's part of the scandal of the gospel. It works whether you're a believer or not. The truths of God are truths whether you believe it or not. Gravity doesn't better work better for Christians than non-Christians. <laughs> Planting apple seeds and getting an apple tree that produces apples doesn't work better for Christians and for non-Christians it produces lemons. God's truths are God's truths whether we like it or not. Anyway, I got sidetracked. I apologize. Please forgive me. So we look to people because of their status, because of their success, their money. We look to people because they've got 6 million Instagram followers and 10 kajillion TikTok, TikTok followers. Well, if so many people believe what they say, then surely there must be something true about them. Sometimes we just listen to people because they shout the loudest. But here's the thing, nothing and no one can sustain or guarantee that which we need most. There's three things in this life that we need most, above all. Three things. To know who we are. We all want to know what our identity is. We all want to be loved. And we all want to be approved of. 
Think about that. We all want to know who we are, our identity. We all want to be loved unconditionally. Not for what we bring to the party, unconditionally. And we all want approval. Well done. And the amazing thing is when we look at Jesus, twice, twice, God says, this is my son, identity, whom I love, affection, with whom I'm well pleased, approval. And the first time God said that to to Jesus was before he even did a single miracle. So often, so often we link affection and identity and approval with what we do. God works the other way around. He, he showers us with our identity and with His love and with His approval. That's why I love Ephesians chapter 1 so much. It says that God decided before the earth was formed to adopt us. And that it gave Him great pleasure. Jesus came to earth on a mission. And his mission was to to give a way to restore our relationship with God the Father. And that is ultimate hope. His death, second point, his death brought salvation. There's only one way to God the Father, my friends. And that's through Jesus. There's only one way that our relationship with God can be restored, and that's through Jesus. It's not through our good works. And that's, that's sometimes why I struggle with religion. Because religion says, in order to belong, you have to believe and behave like we do. Then you can be part of what we do. If you want to be part of the inner circle, then you've got to believe and behave like we do. That's not how God works. That's not how Jesus works. He says, come, come be part, come and belong. And along the way, as we do life together, you'll see what I believe through how I live. And your behavior will change when you start becoming convinced of who Jesus is. When you start opening up your heart more and more and letting down your walls that have built up over years of hurt, over years of disappointment. Nobody needs to come and hammer those down to get your heart because you start dropping it in recognition of who Jesus is. So Jesus' death brings salvation. James chapter 1 verse 13 says, And remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do do wrong. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us. From what? Our own desires. Sin is nice. Sin is not yucky. We like sin. Because it's pleasurable. It feels good. That's why it tempts us and drags us away. But God says, no ways. That causes separation between me and you. And because of that separation, you cannot find your way back. I give you Jesus. So Jesus' death on the cross brought about restitution, reconciliation, and right standing with God. Restitution, reconciliation, and right standing with God. 
But its mission doesn't end there. And I think this is where we often get it wrong as Christians. We end, we, end, we stop at the foot of the cross. This is where we stop. Oh, so, you know, and then we come back on Sunday where we're so, so grateful. But we're called to live beyond. Yes, remember what Christ has done. But we're called beyond to live a kingdom lifestyle. So Christ rose. Christ died to give us hope. Christ, uh, um, sorry, Christ's birth was to give us hope. Christ died to bring salvation. Christ rose to give us victory in every aspect of our lives. God doesn't just call us to love Him with everything that we are. He also calls us to live in victory in every area of our lives. And how we do, do we do that? And I'm really reducing my points here. Is through His ascension... He made way so that the Holy Spirit can come. That's my fourth point. Jesus said, it is better for me to go so that you can have the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only way we can live victoriously. The only way we can have an effective life in every area of our lives is to receive the Holy Spirit and live a life that is kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused. That's why why it's called the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the tools that we need to live a, a godly, effective life is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then my last point is, is his return will bring in the fullness of the kingdom of God. Because just look around us, we know that the kingdom of God is not reigning and ruling in this world. It's the kingdom of darkness. But the promise is, is that he will come back and he will stop that. And he will reign and rule with us. So what do we do? How do we... How do we change this reality? As we need to remember. Remember the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. That's why we need one another. We need to be around one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to tap into the resources that's available to us. So sad for me to hear when people have been going through a tough time and nobody even knew. God didn't call us to live in isolation. Christmas time is often the loneliest time for a lot of people because they live in isolation. Let's reach out to one another. Let's love one another. Let's support one another. And let's remind one another of who Jesus is and the incredible life he's called us to live can we bow our heads and pray please Father God we thank you for sending us Jesus Lord Jesus we thank you for coming to earth to be born like we were to live life like we do and to die like we will one day. But in doing that, you gave us incredible hope. Incredible hope 
that you are in control. That's my prayer this morning that each one of us here this morning that we will tap into that hope, that living hope that you are with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that we will hear your voice clearly every day, in every circumstance, in every situation. And follow your lead in all areas of our lives so that we can live victorious lives, Lord. I pray that we will share your love, your kindness, your goodness with those around us, Lord. Just wonder while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, is there anyone here this morning, anyone here this morning that need to reach out and say, Lord Jesus, I want that gift. Well, our eyes are closed and heads are bowed. If that is you, why don't you just slip up your hand? I will like to just reach out to you afterwards and have a chat. If there's anyone here that would like some prayer for a specific situation or such circumstance, you can slip up your hand like to pray with you afterwards. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we pray in this week as we lead up to Christmas Day. Father, as we celebrate your birth, or Jesus, as we celebrate your birth, I pray that that reality will settle in our hearts, that you are that good to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We celebrate you in your name alone. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen.